morning, everyone. Apologize for being just a tad tardy. I will say it wasn't because I wasn't up early enough. Well, maybe I should have been up even earlier. Um, but I was back here at the church this morning really early working on things, and then I dashed home to get cleaned up for service. So. You do have two new grandbabies. Thank you. Yeah, well, how, that, how the two new grandbabies impacts me is my wife's not here to, there's just more bandwidth in my thinking. I've got to take care and think of things I don't normally think of. Um, yeah, our grandbabies are doing great, um, and Rachel's still there. I'll be leaving after church today to fly down. Originally, it was to fly down and be in court for my nieces, but uh, that got postponed. But I'm going to drive back with my wife. She didn't have to come back from Texas by herself, so it's a blessing yet, and I get to see my grandchildren. Um, but uh, part of the the delay. We had a, a great uh, Bible and barbecue event at the house last night. I think counting Rick and I, we had 19 total there. We covered, um, enjoyed a lot of good food. Um, and, uh, you know, if you, you ever wish you could go back in time and get up the good food, we had ribs and chicken and braided pork loin. Um, as our as our main dishes, it, it was really good. But uh, we had we had all these young people there, and our uh, topic of discussion was just war, and uh, we covered largely the Old Testament perspective on just war. And uh, uh, the next time we meet next month, we'll we'll kind of bring in the New Testament. Did you touch on uh, corpse maiming? Corpse maiming? Yeah, did you go into foreskin harvesting? No. Because that's a big part of the Old Testament just war theory, so. Sure. Um, we, we, we were the, the interactive, <laughs> listen, the interactive discussion, the interactive discussion, uh, we had about two hours in, in that because there's a lot to cover. And I told him at the beginning we wouldn't be able to cover it all. In so months. part two, foreskin harvesting. All right. I'll see how that fits in the narrative. All right. So um, during my studies, actually, for uh, Just War Theory theory this week, I came across a a good answer to uh, uh, our brother Joe Green. He asked a question several weeks back. Um, I was talking about uh, the importance of doing the Lord's Table together. And he brought up um, the concern, what do you do with, you know, that missionary who's isolated um, and alone. And uh, in, in the, the, the readings and studies I was doing, I came across uh, what I thought was a, was a uh, more detailed answer than what I provided at the moment. And part of that was my response to him, and that is that when they're at the altar and they're doing communion and they're in a specialized situation like that, that they are ascending in the heavenlies. They're with the host of heaven in that sense. That's not your ordinary call. Ordinarily, we need to be um, taking the Lord's Supper together with the body of Christ um, together. Again, there are providential hindrances uh, that that occur, but those are the exceptions, and that's where um, the elders, pastors, and 
do, uh, you want to you know, describe it this way, a mini or shortened covenant renewal service and do communion with the shut-ins. Um, <clears throat> but the, uh, the reference that came up is tying the fact to the Lord's table being associated with uh, the altar, right? We have Christ's body and blood here at the altar at the Lord's table. And that in that way, um, when you have a missionary who is, um, who is out and alone and staking out an outpost, right, they're, they're going with the idea of they, they plan to go there and take dominion as God has told them to. And if you look in uh, Genesis chapter 12, we see starting in verse 6, it says this, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree at Morah, and the Canaanites um, were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham, Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So he was in, uh, via the altar, this was becoming a place of a relationship with God, where God and man um, were in communication. And if you, if you, if you move on and look at uh, Genesis uh, 13, it says, this is God speaking it, to, to Abram, he said, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. And then God says, Arise and walk in the land through its length and width, for I will give it to you. And we're all familiar with that. And verse 18 it says, Then Abram moved his tent and went on and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and he built an altar to the Lord there. In some cases, we're going to be going into new areas, new places um, to bring the gospel, um, or maybe reestablish where it's been abandoned, right? And we go in there, and we're actually walking the land and establishing an altar of communion with the Lord. Um, yes? I don't know. who. Someone just texted me and said, can you fix the sound? I can barely hear the pastor. Oh, I guess that's for Sam. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Okay. That's good. Thank you. Also, all I have to add, whoever this is, they just texted me. Okay. Uh, Am I up? Testing. You testing. are up. Testing. Uh, I see that I'm here. Uh, Sorry to interrupt the flow. No. We'll uh, uh, let's switch over. Better? Okay. I'm just going I'm going to switch channels there. Okay. Better to find this out now than before the uh, Lord's service starts in a little while. Okay. So we've switched up. They'll let us know, I'm sure. Yeah. What we'll do at this point, if it doesn't work in Sunday school, we'll F fix, fix it there. before That's church. Good. Thank you. So the point that we're making... <coughs> that, that we're making here is that Abraham 
was told by God to walk the length and the breadth of the land, and to and and therefore he established altars of dominion of grace in the pagan places. And so this this somewhat answers the question of um, the Lord's Supper and what are we doing uh, when we go into when we go into foreign and pagan lands. You know, it kind of reminds me a little bit because sometimes when we go into places like that, um, or we're in a uh, we ourselves maybe we work in a uh, I'll just pick on it, a government facility or any company that's very large and they're, they're not following Christ and, and you're going in there and you're, you're not going to set up a, a Lord's table, but you're going in there and you feel like, man, I'm not really making an impact uh, in this. I'm reminded of a missionary story where this uh, missionary left, went to this country in Africa and preached there for some, some more than 40 years. And after 40 years, he had only seen one convert in 40 years, right? That, that seems like hardly um, you've had any effect at all. And um, at, at the end of this time, he's like, well, Lord, I, I don't know. I've, I've tried to be faithful. I've tried to preach the word. I've tried to preach reconciliation to God through Jesus Christ. And it doesn't seem like it's had any effect. What's interesting is in the generations, excuse me, following this 40 years, that country saw a massive, um, a massive revival in that country. Um, and, you know, at least I'm not updated on the going-ons in Kenya, but at, at one point, one of the most Christian nations of the last century uh, in Africa and, and in that way, I, I merely say that we labor, we establish, we go out, we um, become the, the uh, God's agents, priests to the nations, and we go and we establish outposts. And, and, and in that way, um, we are taking dominion as, as God tells us uh, to do as the church. So I think that's a, a little more expanded way to think about uh, the Lord's table in um, far and far away places. I would pray that the Lord be gracious and in the future send at least two, right? Uh, we know that the scripture shows that it's very tough on guys, on missionaries, on men and women when they're going into places alone, um, as we can all imagine or probably have even experienced from time to time. So I, I want to think about that. We've been talking about uh, what it means to be the church um, that uh, we've had uh, a number of concerns, and I keep bringing up the, the quote, if, you know, why is it that people want to attack Christians and the things that we say regarding sin in the culture, and uh, response from uh, Dwayne Garner in a question and answer time to that, his response was, well, if you want to attack the king, if you want to undermine the king, if you want to depose the king, that's God, then you go after Christians. And we are, we've been given uh, authority and dominion in the world. We are de facto rulers of the world in that way. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that, that's a little unsettling. Right? It's unsettling in my own strength. It's unsettling in in, in where I stand, it does make me take pause and say, okay, 
what about in the Lord's Prayer? Um, you know, what's the actionable item in the very beginning where we pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see that mostly as a petition to God, and certainly it is, but there's an actionable item in that. If we petition God and we've been given the authority here, then we are to um, take what God has given us, our realm of influence, the small area of dominion that God has given us, and we should take it and make it reflect heaven, centered on the glory of God, praising God, doing all that we do to the glory of God, to what end? So that when, when people look at our good works, what happens? They glorify our Father in heaven. And so um, we, we have these actionable items about taking dominion as the church. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I need to step it up in that way, right? If I'm, if I'm trying to take what God has given me and reorganize it in such a way that God is glorified um, in all things, um, I need to be mindful and purposeful and, and continually work on that. And in that way, th- there's, a, there's a place of this that's wisdom-bound, right? right? Because we get in a place and we have to make decisions. That's where the rubber meets the road, right? When, when, when we're little kids, our parents tell us everything what to do. When we're new Christians, we, we get all these blocks of do this, don't do that. Here's how you do this, here's how you do that. As we grow and mature in God, God, God gives us opportunities where we have to trust Him beyond where we are right now, right? We can say, we, we're going to make a, 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 we'll start on the bigger things because I think that's a little easier to, to, to take a look at, all right? So we've got a decision we've got to make about our life, right? And so what we do is we say, well, what does God's Word say if we're a Christian? What does God's Word say on this subject, Okay. And then um, a lot of times in uh, life, God's word speaks very clearly and directly to a lot of things, but there are other things where we've got to say, take an assemblage of God's word and truth and apply it, right? Draw out the truths that are there. And even then, it's not necessarily, you can look at a situation and say, okay, so I have something, it appears to me from God's word, it's not morally wrong, Right? So then the question is, is it permissible to do? Okay, so it's not morally wrong. Okay, then, then what do I do? How do I address this? And what, what we need to be then doing is saying, okay, it, um, go and seek counsel. right? Do your due diligence. You go and get advice from different folks that are, you know, are faithfully serving God. right? And then at some point, though, you know, the pastor can give you advice. Your fellow brothers and sisters can give you advice. At the end of the day, you have to decide what you're going to do. You have to trust God. And then when you make that decision, I think here's where the Christian life and maturity comes into play, is you make a decision, and th- this actually I think is, is one of the larger issues in, in the unbelieving world, but it certainly impacts us as well. It's then facing the responsibility um, of the outcome. Right? If you make a decision and you've, you've done your due diligence, right, 
and then it begins to unfold. And if it, if it works out and everything's fine, I think you keep going, right? But what happens if it doesn't work out exactly the way you thought it would? Blame the people who give you advice. <laughs> There's always someone with a snarky thing to say. No, that's not snarky. That's usually what happens. <laughs> no, you're right. You're, you're actually right, right? So what do we do is, well, it depends. Did we, if we took their advice, right, yeah. we, can, we, we oftentimes blame them. But I think, I think that ultimately, advice is given, and we make a decision. And what we need to do is say, okay, if, it, if it's not working out right, there's, there's a couple of responses here. One, we have to say, did I sin? Okay, if you did sin, what do you do? Confess your sin. He is faithful and just. He forgives us. And um, then we say, okay, now what do I do? Right? How do I make this right? If you didn't sin... Right, but it's just not working out. God's closed the door, or you know, then then you have to say, okay, what are the consequences? Again, what's my responsibility to to straighten it out? In some cases, it may be stopping going in that direction, and other things, it may be adjusting what we're doing. Yes. Um, could you give a concrete example of what sorts of steps or actions you're you're talking about? I don't the the whole decision tree. I don't, I don't know exactly what you're talking about. I think it's some step you would do to take dominion. That's what. That, that's what we're driving. So at. what? What do you mean, like becoming a politician, or like what do you? Um, I have no idea where your head's. Well, at. I, I think you know I, I've kind of created this generality on a yeah. large life decision, but I think it has application even in our, our day-to-day mundane things. Part of what I'm talking about: what does it mean if we're taking dominion in, in, in our realm of of uh, that that God has given us? All of us have a piece of dominion that God has given us. Right. Give a practical. Yeah. So first of all, it's ourself. Okay. Right. It starts there. God's giving you um, through. You know, before you were a Christian, you were a slave to your sin. You could do nothing but sin. In Christ, you're united to Him. We've been set free from the bondage of sin, and now we're faced with decisions: Do we sin or do we not? So it starts with ruling ourselves, and then what does that look like? Well. You know, in a lot of ways, that's like self-discipline, getting up when the clock goes off, uh, managing our time appropriately, um, watching what comes out of our mouth, right? Um, what we do with our bodies, what we're thinking, what we're reading, what we're watching, right? There's, there's all kinds of, of things, how we're relating to others. Are we letting sin go down? Um, I mean, the sun go down on our anger, um, all of those kinds of things that, that are relative to self-rule. Yes? And that's also, if we, if we are trusting the Holy Spirit, acknowledging when you think you're going to sin, you know what I mean? Like, like for instance, I'm not feeling well, so I feel myself a little bit more irritable. And so I have them pray for me so that I don't, you know, like just being aware that God could help me to do something so I'm not going to sin. Sure. So that, that is to say, you go to those um, around you and ask for their prayers and support, yeah. right? Um, and we're, we're, we're casting our cares upon the Lord. And then also, I think at the same time, it also alerts others to the need that you might have. Like, you know, there's a whole host of things. Why do you not feel good? What's going on? Do you not sleep well? Are there things I can do to love my neighbor in that way? And also be perhaps a little patient 
um, in, in my responses to you as well. So, it, so it's going to God and then going to his people as well. So and, and in that I think I think that's very typical. A lot of times, you know, that there is the am I taking dominion under the authority of Christ, therefore casting myself completely upon him. Right? There there's all of that. So forgive me right away if I didn't get your order. <laughs> but you're welcome to point it out. <laughs> so so yeah. in this though, I think there are other big things there are there are you know, then it goes into what does it look like in your your relationship in your home, right, with the other people that you're there. What kind of decisions are you making? They're smaller ones. And then sometimes we get in places where we also have to make, um, you know, well, before I go back to the big one, you know, it, how does this work out in terms of your family, your children? Like we all make decisions about how we're going to educate our children, how we're going to respond to them, how we want to order their day so it's oriented around God. Sometimes we, we don't follow through with that as well. We, we lay out in good intentions, but we don't follow through. Right? So, again, if we're not following through, that's a time of repentance and then reordering. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> I think this ha- I know I'll, I'll start with myself. I know it has happened to me. I have observed it happening um, with other husbands and fathers where I set this high goal right we're going to do this and this is all the stuff we're going to do as a family and i'm not in consideration of the frame of my wife and children right in other words i'm on i'm 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 walking with god and and i want us to order our lives with god so um you know i expect my kids to sit you know when they're two years old for an hour family worship um Maybe that's doable at the right time when they might doze off, but a two-year-old has limitations, right? Or the amount of time and effort we're spending in a particular area um, and, and looking at that and saying, um, is that in consideration of all of the normal things that have to happen in the day when you're raising kids and feeding them and bathing them and, and instructing them and all those kinds of things? I know that I've stepped, sometimes I've set the bar too high, and there are other times where it's perfectly appropriate, I must say, to set high standards, right? It's just also be a little flexible. You know, if you've got two little kids and they're running fevers, again, what does that look like? How do you adapt? That sort of thing. I mean, if you were to ask my kids growing up, uh, for most of my kids' lives, uh, my wife was teaching at the school. And so all the kids, my wife had to be there early. So we did family worship at 6 a.m. in the morning. You had to be downstairs awake and ready to go. When they were small, we did a lot of actionable singing songs, you know, to kind of get the blood going. What's that? Most of us weren't awake. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> Most of you weren't awake. But, no, I mean, I mean it, it, you know, yes. And there, and there, and there again, there's, there's also a place of the frame, right? You know, what's, you know did, you, did you ever look at the situation and know that it, that a kid was awake in the middle of the night, do you give them any more grace or mercy, those kinds of things that, that are beyond their control. Um, so it's okay to have high standards, and we want to be, I, th- I think in that is, just as far as those kind of high standards with your family, I'll say, think about it this way. 
where, where the scriptures tell us that when should we be talking about the Lord and all that he has done? All the time. When we lie down, when we get up, when we walk down the road, when we sit down to eat. If, if we think about it in terms of doing that, some of the hard structure things, we don't have to keep our foot down on the pedal as hard if we're doing it, if it's part of the whole of life that we're doing, right? Um, and and be, because... Who's going to change your children's hearts? Who's, going, who, who's doing that work? The big HS. That's right. God himself. Right? The Spirit is transforming your children. You're being faithful. You're teaching them the word. You're setting high standards of behavior, of teaching them and catechizing them, if you will, with the scriptures, all those things. I, I'm just saying all that because I, I want us to say, be careful don't crush people. Don't crush your children. Don't crush your wives. Um, and at the same time, lead them, what sometimes means adapting what you're doing so that you can bring them along. But, but all of that begins to, if, if you take it back to a larger decision, like where do I move? What kind of job do I have? Um, if you're single, who do I marry? Um, all of these kinds of things. Some things like our brother Timothy over here, his company reorganized and they did away with a bunch of folks in this part of the country and so he had to look for another job. Right now he did go to the Lord and we prayed with him that the Lord would provide a job for him and he has and we praise God for it. Um, but, but, you know, at this point it was a question of which job do I take and what is God providing, right? Um, as opposed to um, sometimes, you know, we have life changes like... Um, Jonathan here recently got out of the military, right? And in this area, we're going to see all kinds of that. People are in the military. They, they get discharged out. It's time for a new thing. What kind of job do they take? Where, do they, where might they move, right? Um, I will just in general caution whenever you can, um, men, husbands, uh, inconvenience yourself, but keep your wife as close to the church body as you can. And I know there are limitations and, and, and things like that as well that go on, but I think that's important. If you live, if, if your whole family, wife and kids, is isolated an hour away or an hour and a half away, that's really tough on them, right? Um, anyway, th those are all just things of consideration. But, but this is about taking, going back and saying, when we make decisions, God has placed us in certain circumstances where you can't say it's clear as day, I know I'm going to do step one, step two, step three. He, he brings us to a place where we have to trust him more. So you do your due diligence, and then you evaluate what are the results. Do I need to change? Did I sin? All of those things go into play in terms of taking dominion uh, in, your, in your daily life and in the lives um, of, of the people around you in your realm of influence because obviously we have some singles here as, as well as married and some with kids and some without all the different stages of life. But, but, but I want us to understand how does this relate to the church and, and doctrines of the church? Well, we are taking dominion. We mentioned the altar here and, and, and this being a place of, of peace, but, but our service overall, it's about war. Worship is warfare. How many guys have heard that phrase before? All right. Um, are we clear on why that is? Well, we, we know that 
that Jesus, as we talked about last week, he said, he said to Peter that the gates of, of hell will not prevail against you, which, by the way, gates don't move unless they're broken down, right? Which means what? It means that the church is assaulting the gates and the power structure of the wicked world, okay? We see in, in Revelation 20 that God, and, and in that same passage, Jesus says that he's given the keys of the kingdom, right, to, to Peter. And here we see those keys again in Revelation chapter 20 where um, Satan is bound and loosed, right? And when, the, and when the church worships rightly and when we pray rightly and when we are commissioned and go out and establish our households rightly and we organize our household, our outposts in a way that reflects heaven, right? So that God's kingdom is brought here, right? Again, it's the work of the Spirit through us, but we have a response to it. A lot of times I feel like our expectation is we go to God and we ask God for dominion of the world, for the nations to be turned to Him, and then we don't do things with which to make that happen. But remember, He's given us the responsibility. You see that in Ephesians 1. That Jesus says the authority has been given to him and he has given it to the church. And so when, when we don't, as the church, certainly as the elders, but as the people of God as a whole, when we don't hold to account and call people to repentance, excuse me, when we don't, um, when we don't discipline people, then we are allowing sin, and therefore Satan the accuser, um, to run wild and so what, what we're called to do is to confront sin with the purpose of reconciliation but when, but when uh, people are unrepentant that's where, the, that's where the church has to step in and discipline them and we talked about this to agree last week but I want us to understand that it starts here with, with worship okay and then it, then it moves, and, and we come in here, and we glorify God, and we take our petitions before the Lord, and um, the Lord wins the battle, right? But he wins that battle through who? His people, right? He's using his people. And yes, there are certainly many miraculous things that God does that we never see, right? The question is not, do I see the victory, can I see how it's going to work out? When I, when I mentioned that, that uh, missionary this morning to Kenya, could he see the fact that in the following century that, that whole country you know, was going to be one of the most Christian nations in all of Africa? He could. There's a great cloud of witness up there. That's right. Yeah. But, 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 but in that, in the physical realm around him, he looked at it and he looked like, what am I doing? Right now, I'm asserting some things to him. I know he had some doubts, okay? But, but what I'm saying is that we do that too. We look out there, and we see um, the, the idol of the state, the government, raging against God. We see on social media all kinds of people raging against God. We see all the wickedness in our country and in the world around us, and we merely lament and, and to a certain extent, that can cause us to, to take the mistaken idea 
that, you know, what I'm doing is really just for me and my family, right? It's just for me. It's just for us in this room. It's not really doing anything out there, okay? And that's, that's a failure to understand what God is doing, right? Yes. I have a clarifying question and then yes. a question question. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, there aren't um, notes for this, so I've been trying. It sounds like you've listed three layers, dominion over self, dominion over family, and then the last one, there were a bunch of points to it, but it felt like dominion over the world through worship, uh, but then kind of as a subheading of that, discipline within the church as a form of dominion within the congregation. Are those actually four? Did you intend them to be structured in that order? Do you see those as concentric circles? And then the actual question question, once you've clarified that, which may invalidate my question question, but my question (laughs) question is, I feel like uh, kind of a James Jordan interpretation would actually put the church as the most central circle, and it's almost felt like you put self as the the innermost circle. And And I do understand, you know, you're referencing back to last... Sunday where you said when the oxygen mask popped down you got to put it on yourself first and I completely agree that you know my family's never going to get on time ready for church if I'm not ready for church my family's never going to listen to your sermons if I don't listen to your sermons so I, I, I totally agree with that but I, I am on board with not having the family as the center of the Christian life but the church is the center of the Christian life and it almost feels by you putting a third so anyway Clarifying question, then question, question. So 100%. I appreciate this because 100% the church is first. Everything emanates from that. That's Christ to his church, the body, right? I guess where I was talking about the self and the things coming out from there, it, it, I probably should have clarified it in this way in the beginning by saying it starts here, right? What resets us to be able to go out and rule self? to go out and rule in our family, to go out and rule in the realm that God has given us dominion over, right? It starts right here in this service. It starts right here where God, what, what do we do? We come in here, we respond to God, and we confess our sins, right? We confess our sins. God takes us, and he, he takes the crookedness that's in us, and he draws a straight line to his purposes. He straightens us out. We're then molded in his image by the word. We ascend into his presence and we worship him there. We take our petitions there. And then all of this, again, it emanates here. It starts here. And you get that blessing, right? You know, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. You know, when you come in here and we start this service, to a large extent, your family is uh, you've disconnected out of being um, father, um, you know, husband, wife, child, and we're all the people of God. Now, you still have to, um, you know, when you have a small child, you're still helping them figure out how to worship or they're potty training and they need to go to the bathroom or, or all those things that happen. But we are... We are um, made separate we're all that again coming back to the lord's table and each person you look at your brother and sister no matter the age of them beside you or their relationship they're your brother and sister in christ i think that's actually particularly helpful when you think about your kids if you start thinking about them not as 
uh, merely that I have authority over them, but in fact I'm trying to encourage them and guide them and direct them and disciple them, right, as my brother and sister in Christ. Um, that, that can change the dynamic of how we approach that. But all of that to say it, it starts right here, and the warfare that God is doing changing you and all the people in this room and, and what his actions are that he does out there in the greater world emanate out of the worship of his people, right? Yes, sir. I was just going to say, I mean, think about in terms of like self-ruled men who rule well, think about the qualifications for eldership, right? So like before you can even think about stepping up and leading worship, which was warfare, you need to have the right character qualifications. You need to be above reproach. So you got to have your own house in order before you can even step up to direct those things. Well, but but bear in mind, you can't get your house in order without yeah. you have to the, be under. The, yeah. Right, yeah. but it but it but it comes and emanates out of the church. Right. Um, I think it's uh, Rich Lusk ex- explains it this way. You know, you think about um, a wheel, a bicycle wheel, right? And and the bicycle wheel goes places. It it accomplishes goals. Um, the, the families are like at the end of the spokes holding up what God is doing but the church is the hub in the center from which it all emanates out from to complete God's purposes did you have your hand up Mike? yeah I'm processing this I disagree with you guys I, I think you made a good point I think, I think the problem is you're putting the church in a place in Christ's place Christ changed the heart of parents, and I think that the, the family is a building block of the church, so I think the church, the family is more fundamental. The family was established long before the church. The family is what makes the church rise and fall. You don't have the, you don't have, in a fractured, in a world with fractured families, you can't build a, a, a strong church. You, you can go to small a, a church that's temporary I, I think the family is more fundamental and I think in a world that falls apart past a certain level you can function with families and it's somewhat circular because you necessarily as Christians Christian families will build churches but I think the so, I, I think the family does have to be ordered before the church Christ came out swinging really hard against the family, though. I, it was not. What do you mean? It was not incidental when he said, "Who is my mother? Who are my right, brothers?" Right. When when they were standing outside, and eschatologically, we see that it seems like the family falls away because we we have a new kinship. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. That is our first and foremost identification. Yeah, you, but your your children have only been entrusted to you for a short amount of time. It's whoever is our father in the faith will be our father in the faith forever. And there there are human individuals that play that role. Paul really makes a big deal of the fact, you know, uh, you you have only one father in the faith. You have many people who have ministered to you, but only one father in the faith. And that's, that is more important than your earthly father. So there's, there's, not, so there's not a higher means of taking dominion than the family. The church is not a higher means of taking dominion. Yeah, I mean, I disagree. Well, and how, how, so, how, does it, how do you take more dominion with the, with the church and with the family? So, I've so, never observed the church take more dominion than the family. 
When the church is functioning properly, the family so, is what takes dominion. So we're, we're nearly out of time. I'm going to speak to this, and we will pick this up next week, okay? Um, because I do think it's, it's a very important part here. Uh, one, I would say this. Um, you know, we, we are part of the body, right? The, the, if, if, we, if we cut off the finger, we can't expect the finger to be alive in six months, right? Ordinarily, there's no, there's no way of salvation outside of the church, and that, that rocks us. We gotta, there's tension. See, we think if we say it's, the church is central, that somehow we're diminishing the family, but we're not. How, how is the family made right? How is the family... Um, centralized. Where, where does it say that, that um, it comes through the church? It comes through Christ. It comes through Christ. Right. The, and, and, right. And, and but, but after that, after that comes the church. Right. But it's Christ, church, family. Okay. And and so and so what what I what I'm what I'm driving at here for us is this this is part of what I want us to wrestle through, right? Your family. If you're disconnected from the church, if you're not worshiping, if you're not part of the body of um, coming together and being unified and being um, called to live righteously, if, you, if, if you're doing that isolated from the church, um, that, that's a hard way to go. Okay, It's not healthy. The center of things is Christ, the church, and then, see, you're going to be reconstituted at the end. Right, you're all you're you're all the body of Christ in here, and then when you receive the blessing, the benediction at the end, that is for what? For you to go out as your family, and take dominion. Because all week long, I want us to be interacting, right? Growing as the people of God, being united as the people of God. But the reality is, the other six days of the week, you're out at your outpost, right? But it's centralized. From the church, the spirit works in through the church to the people, and and I think I think that's part of it. And again, I'm not minimizing the importance of the family. I'm not minimizing um, any of that. What I'm saying is, it starts Christ Church family. All right, I just got the signal that we're running late, so we'll pick this up in in greater detail uh, next week. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that there's salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you've called your church, O oh Lord, uh, to be a place of, of um, great strength and bond together. Lord, help us to take dominion of the world uh, by, by seeking you and glorifying you. And Lord, use us to extend your kingdom this week, both here as the body of Christ and in our individual households. In Jesus' name, amen.